Well, good morning, church family. This morning again, we have Dr. Harold Lewis, the Vice President of Biblical Diversity and Converge. And Dr. Lewis, it is such an honor that you would take time in your incredibly busy schedule right now to talk to City Lift Church. So thank you so much, sir, for taking the time, first of all. Hey, you're welcome, man. Thanks for inviting me. Of course, of course. I, I really, when I was talking to my coach, uh, he quickly, you know, wanted to introduce me to you. And I couldn't think of a better voice right now that I'd like to have talking into our church this week uh, than you and your position and what you carry. And Converge has meant so much to us the last couple of years. So again, thank you very much. Now, I understand that you have flown up to Minneapolis. You were a part of the uh, funeral service for George Floyd. Uh, what's it like in Minneapolis right now? Um, could you kind of give us some insight of what's been going on this last few days? Yeah, absolutely. Again, thank you for having me. Uh, what you've been watching on the network news channels, uh, there's been a big shift in the looting and the burning and kind of pretty much like a spirit of violence. There's a calm now. There's a more harmonious spirit uh, coming together, working together. Uh, that we've been on the grounds on, matter of fact, at the Epic Center where George Floyd uh, lost his life. We call it a modern day lynching. And it's just been incredible. The spirit uh, of people from every background, ethnicity, race, uh, now recognizing, number one, we can't destroy our own community. Number two, if we're going to affect change, we must organize and come up with strategies, methodologies to make our voices heard in a manner of, 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 of still protest in rebellion, but doing it in a fashion that's honor God. So that's been a big plus, big plus. Wow. Wow. You know, we, we've been talking a lot this week, and I've had so many conversations, and I know we've had a couple conversations leading up to this moment. Um, as, as believers, could you talk into that a little bit for us, um, both from the stance of justice and equality, and then forgiveness and reconciliation? Because right now, these, these murders have invoked such strong emotions uh, for us, and, and believers, we're, we're also human. So, so we're experiencing all the range of human emotions that all the other humans are experiencing. Could you talk into us a little bit from a biblical perspective of, you know, not only should injustice outrage us and bother us from the standpoint that it's a human being that's being hurted, regardless of the color of my skin, but the humanity of it. And then maybe also talk into like, how could I, you know, I, I, you know, we, I might have a, a black person in my church, like, listen, I see that and I'm so filled with hate. How do I overcome that emotion? Um, and so could you just talk into us really quick, like how, how, how can we look at this through the biblical lens of what's happening? Well, for, first and foremost, if you're not outraged and angry, um, you know, I'll call the question your, your salvation in Jesus Christ. Yeah, uh, come on, even say Christ that. Christ got angry. <laughs> yeah. Even Jesus, you know, uh, got got angry when he went into the temple with the whip, when the, the mothers were bringing their children to be blessed and the disciples rebuked them. Uh, even Christ got angry. So that's first and foremost. If this is not bothering you as a believer, you may not be following the Jesus I'm following, number one. Uh, number two, 
leading up to this kind of uh, unfortunate, unfortunate uh, incident with Mr. George Floyd and hundreds of other black men, uh, one of the things that we don't do well in this kind of work is give individuals a roadmap for feelings so their emotions are all over the place. They don't know why they're mad or enraged or angry or sad, you know? So we have to help people to label those feelings so they're able to contextualize them and respond to them accordingly. Um, according to the to the to the word of God, the That's third good. thing and most yeah and, and most importantly is um, uh, not to suppress your emotions. God has given us emotions for a reason. Uh, if you weren't angry, I wouldn't know it bothered you. If I wasn't angry, you wouldn't know it bothered me. You wouldn't know it bothered the heart of God. Uh, if you read Genesis chapter number one, in the beginning God created man and woman, the creation story, and He said it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. He get to Genesis chapter five. He said, I hate I even made man. <laughs> mm. <laughs> said, I hate I even made y'all. You go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, Jeremiah said, man, heart is desperately wicked. Wow. And who can understand it? Who wow. can understand it? You know, uh, you said something earlier, pastor, when you said, um, we talk about the grace of God and the love of God. We've overdosed our churches on that. We don't talk about the wrath of God enough. God yeah. is also a God of wrath, you know? Uh, so when you have a member in your church of a person of color and they're dealing uh, with this, like I am too, I'm in the midst of this and I got to be an ambassador for Converge and at the same time balance my emotions as a black man and dealing with this, you know? But the most important thing is having someone to share that pain with and giving them license to emote that anger and to wow. contextualize that anger. Um, George Floyd is just a microcosm of a macrocosm situation from 1619 to 2001. That's 401 years that black people have been dealing with this and having to suppress a lot of their anger without becoming violent to survive, mm. to survive. And I promise you, if you gave your black members an audience, but they can just sit down and share experiences and stories with you, I can almost guarantee you they're going to begin to weep. They're going to begin to cry. They're going to begin to speak from their heart. And for the first time, given license by a, black, a white person, the, the freedom to share was on their heart. Mm -hmm. So providing that safe space for them to do that without judging or condemning them and allowing yourself to be vulnerable uh, uh, to hear it, this is not a guilt or shame game, but it will make you uncomfortable. Mm. Oh, that's so good. I, you know, I, I have to humbly say, and it's, it's not that I was not ignorant of, of some of these things that were going on, but as I, this last week, as I was talking to some of my own friends and members of our church, I realized that I did not know the depth, particularly, we, I mean, we have a lot of young families and millennials and Gen Z in our church and did not, was not aware of the depth of this pain and hurt and anger within our own kind of, you know, next gen community. Um, and I even talked to a friend, I said, how, how did you not share some of this stuff before? And they were like, well, it's not really something you bring up and talk about, you know? And I, and I just was like, God, you gotta help me do better as a leader and a pastor to ask better questions and, listen more and it, it was very humbling for me to become more aware this week of the immense amount of pain um yeah. and i get i love what you said too i you know as i've talked to 
the, the black community that's represented our church, no one is saying, listen, we, we want all white people to carry a sense of, of guilt. We, we don't want you to go around and say, we're sorry. We want equality. We want to be treated equal. And that seems to be a very clear message. It's coming out again and again and again. And so I, I don't, I don't feel that, but I just, I was shocked myself at, at the depth in recognizing we need to do more as a church. We need to talk about this more and give more space to this because there's people in our church and in our country and world, they're hurting. And I need to be a part of that, that reconciliation, that healing process. Um, so let me, let me just, I, I want to speak to something. You, you, you used a term and you used it twice. You used the term equality. Equality is giving everybody the same thing. You wouldn't give a blind man an automobile, right? Mm. Equity, equity, before we get to equality, equity, giving people what they need to make it an even playing field. You got three people standing at a fence to watch a football game. One of those persons is six foot one. He or she can look over the fence, right? You got one person about six feet or five, 11. He can look over the fence. And then you got a person at three feet one. They can't look over the fence. Now, the ultimate outcome is to tear down the fence. But in the meantime, give the three feet person a couple of crates to stand on so they can look over the fence and see the game too. Yeah. Amen. That's a big difference. Yeah. That's a big difference. What uh let's go into this a little bit since you bring bring that up. What what can we begin to do as a church? Um, you know, we guess we can start the conversation from a church, local church, and then on to more of a national level. What what can we begin to do as far as action steps? Uh, because I, I think as a church, I, I know conversation starts it, but I know conversation doesn't end it. It needs more than that. It, it does need consistent action. What, what are some things that we can do, uh, maybe network level, local level, and beyond that you see? Yeah, thank you for that question, too. One of the things we're recommending, uh, I created an assessment about a year and a half ago for Converge. It's on the Converge website. And I encourage every member in Converge to go on that website to take that personal cultural competency assessment. It gives you kind of like a snapshot or a working snapshot of where they are in their heart when it comes to awareness, attitude, skills, and knowledge around race, justice, and equality. Uh, also, uh, from that, then begin to seek out at least one person outside of their race that they can partner with and ask that person to listen, could you be a mentor for me when it comes to this race stuff? Can you just speak into me? Cause I'm really not, uh, I'm really not astute to a lot of your history. Uh, and, and, and can you just share some stories with me to help me contextualize what's going on? Cause what tends to happen, we get emotionally hyped around situations like a George Floyd or Tamir Rice or Eric Gardner or Mike Brown, then those emotions subside, but we can contextualize it to see how systemic it is. Then we can start inviting churches and other organizations to connect with organizations that are about writing policies and implementation laws that police black and brown communities. So, and also just so everybody knows this morning, the link to your assessment we will put on our website. So our, our church can have an easy, easy step and access to that assessment. Yeah, and we're working on putting together a uh, guide uh, how to facilitate conversation around race 
and there'll be some prompters to ask questions and hold discussions uh, to enter into it without feeling guilty or shame or condemning and uh, without being aggressive. You know, they're open to any kind of questions, biblically based, that we can start these conversations. And to keep in mind, this is a marathon, not a sprint. We're in it for the long haul. Amen. No, that's that's great. And, you know, typically what happens in our country is something will come out, we'll talk about it for two weeks, and then it'll subside, and then we move on. And I, I do agree with you. This is an issue that we must not move on from. This is something that church needs to do the marathon on and see it all the way through. Um, you know, one of the things I want to talk about today is because I, I do I do have a diverse church, which I love. Uh, you know, and we, we have Asian and Hispanic and, and white also listening that that want to be a part of the change. And perhaps maybe they've carried some prejudice with them, maybe not. Uh, but maybe now in this moment with everything coming to light, they're asking deeper questions of themselves and doing more self-reflection and searching their own heart. Um, if, you know, and again, um, and I know every only only the Holy Spirit can change the human heart. But what are some things you would like to say to them right now this morning? They're, they're honestly wondering, what can I do? How, how can I begin to make steps forward? I don't want to be insensitive or ask the wrong question, but maybe I just, I don't understand and I want to, I want to learn more and do more. What could we say to them this morning? Yeah, they're, they're, each of us have persons that are in our circle of influence as a, as a white person, as a white pastor, uh, there are white people you can talk to that you know uh, that speak out of turn, out of character, that say insensitive things. And I challenge persons of various ethnic backgrounds and groups to charge them, you know, with accountability. Uh, that's first and foremost. Outside of that, uh, to partner with a local church as a broker to help uh, you and your church become more connected as opposed to just walking up cold turkey to how can I help? There are organizations and agencies that have been around for generations that's been doing this work and they're ready to receive uh, local bodies like your church to help out. Uh, but they want to be respected from the standpoint they don't need a savior to come in to tell them what to do because they've already been doing it. They need someone to come in to be hands and feet to help them to do what they've been trying to do. There you go. That's great. That is great. Um, what what could we, and we touched on this a little bit too, um, as far as those that almost feel like they've experienced trauma this week, because I, in our, particularly in our Zoom groups all week long, I know I'd mentioned before, it feels like I've been at a funeral all week long. I, I was actually on a Zoom call with one of our leaders and she's of Caribbean descent and um, and she just cried for 30 minutes and I cried for 30 minutes. Nothing was even said that was that wise or anything. But I, I recognize, again, I, I feel like I've been at a funeral. And one of my other black leaders said, I feel like I'm grieving the loss of all black lives that have been lost this week. Um, and that individual was like a 20 something. And if, if, if I've got black members that are experiencing so much trauma right now, um, what, what would you say to them to help them heal and make sense of the emotion that they have? Yeah. Yeah. Black people have been experiencing what we call PTSD. I'm sure you're familiar with those initials. Absolutely. Post-traumatic yep. stress syndrome, PTDS. What is it? PT, PT, P PTSD. PTSD. Yeah, no, you got it. PTSD. Right? You got it. Yep. You got it. P yeah. PTSD for, for generations. Uh, mm -hmm. Think about this, Pastor. 400 years of slavery. 
400 years. And after 300 and plus years, you get set free. And after being set free, there's no therapy, there's no, no counseling, there's nothing. I mean, you just got set free after being uh, dehumanized, beaten down, watching your family split up, your mothers and grandmothers and daughters raped and sold. And so that affects you psychologically, spiritually, mentally. I mean, I can just go plethora of, of adjectives. When a George Floyd situation come about, it conjures up all of those feelings. And by the way, DNA is proven now that it's being transferred through our DNA from generation to generation, this trauma. Wow. And so what we need to do now is provide that safe space for them to vent, for them to emote, that you don't have an answer for them. Healing takes time, but what they, the ministry of presence right now is your uh, a Powerball ticket for the black community. The ministry of presence. I don't understand your pain. I'm not a black person. I don't understand your history. I haven't been through it. But what I can do, I can offer myself as a listener. I want to hear your story. I want you to get it out and to let them know that it's better to say something than mess it up than not to say anything and let it mess them up. And that's what's happening. Mm. They don't know who they can trust. They don't know who they can tell their story to. Wow. That is so good. That is that is so good. I And I, I, I 100% agree with you right now. I think silence on our part would be a sin. You know, the Bible says if the person who knows to do good and doesn't, to him it is, it's wrong. It's sin. And I think right now you are watching your brothers and sisters, uh, some in Christ and some just in humanity, and you're watching their pain and you're not saying something right now. I would really like to challenge that one and say now is the time for us to stand up and to listen um, and to, I, I have been blown away more than ever before my whole life, but just the lack of empathy and lack of sensitivity coming from leadership on multiple levels right now in our country. Yep. And we have an empathy yep. problem in this country. Uh, we have a listening yep. problem in this country and, and the church, yep. we now is the time for us to step up and say, we're going to lead like Christ commands us and like he is calling us to. And that is with love. You can't, you can't lead people you don't love. And that's right, brother. And I just, I don't know. Yeah. I feel God right and now. Stay away, and stay away from, it's just like, stay away from sorry. cliches. Stay away from cliches. Like uh, we should be colorblind. No, 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 yes. no, 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 no. We should be color right. bold and color brave. There you go. Uh, number one. Number two, stay away from cliches. All lives matters. Uh, yes. Obviously not because black lives have not mattered for centuries and generations. I use this, uh, I guess an analogy this morning uh, when I was talking to the pastors in this area, I said, let's say your house caught on fire and the fire truck came to put your house out. There's no one in the hood talking about all houses matter. They're not going to go and hose down every house. They're going to hose down right. the house that's on fire. Right? right. So right now right. the black house is on fire and we need to hose down this racism, this injustice that's been going on for generations. Amen. Amen. Now, now you're preaching, Dr. Lewis. Come on. <laughs> Come on. I, you know, I want to say this too, I, to just challenge maybe my Hispanic and, and white brothers and sisters right now is I, I believe the black community has had to bear this burden alone for far too long. And as I talk to some of them, they're saying, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I'm losing hope. And that is to really for me, that's to our shame because this is our time to pick up the baton. And, and say, you, why in the world would I ever think you'd have to fight this one alone? 
we should be right along with you fighting this injustice because an injustice against any human is an injustice against all of us. And it is to everyone's benefit, particularly in the church right now, to end this That's injustice. We have, we have Germans marching right now as I speak. We got Syrians marching right now as I speak. Argentines are marching right now as I speak. We got uh, French men and women marching right now as I speak. And they're all chanting Black Lives Matter, George Floyd. They're all chanting that right now. So we need to deal with police reform. We need to deal with the healthcare reform. We need to deal with education reform, housing reform. It's systemic. It's not a yes. one-off. Uh, one it's systemic. And yeah. we got to get to the root of if you if you kill the root of the tree, the tree dies. Not cut off some branches and not trim right. a few leaves. You got to cut it at its root in order to kill it. Yeah, no, that's good. You know, and I, I want to say this too, because this term has been going around a little bit. And again, if I can just talk to my my white and Hispanic brothers sure. and sisters this morning, you know, people have been using the term white privilege. And you know, here, here's the thing is we're not saying in, in, in the black community right now, it's not saying it's not that white people don't work hard. I mean, my dad, I remember him growing up. He worked 70, 80 hours a week. He, he was working incredibly hard, almost like the first 10 years of my life. I, I didn't see him a lot. You know, he worked probably too much just trying to make ends meet. Um, but, but what it is recognizing, so it's not saying that you don't have some good things in your life because you don't work hard. And I, and I know many of you in our church, you're, you're great people, you're hardworking. But it, so it's not saying that you're not hardworking and you haven't earned things in your life, but it is saying that the starting place has been different, that the starting position has been different. And I think I think we can acknowledge that, that the starting place has been different and that that so much of the society has been built around for us to succeed. And, and, and we don't need to feel a sense of guilt or shame because a lot of us grow up in a system. We don't even know like a fish doesn't know it's in water. And I feel like for a lot of white people, we, we just grow up in a normal environment. For us, we don't even question it. We don't realize it. We don't realize someone else, you know, in the next state is having a, a very different experience than what we're having. Um, and, and so we're, we're not saying, we, as we talk this, or as I mean this to say, I'm not saying you have a bunch of guilt about that. But I am saying use your privilege now to begin to serve other people. And let's start making a change forward. I'm not trying to negate the fact that you're not working and a hardworking person. I'm saying, but use the privilege now and let's give voice to people that, that need a voice. And Jesus was all about that. I don't think you can be a Christian and not give voice to the voiceless and, and help for the hurting. Amen. And, and listen, uh, I'm not asking anyone to give up their privileges. I'm asking them to be responsible with their privileges, number one. Come you on. mentioned your dad was trying to make ends meet. My dad didn't have ends to meet, brother. Mm. That's a big difference. That's a big difference. You know, now here I yeah. am with two doctorate degrees, and every time I show up, I got to qualify my education. You know, I read and mm. write four different languages, and still, when they see me, they see a black man before they see an educated Christian man. Jesus, help us. Yeah. So we've had to navigate this for generations, brother. My grandmother was a mulatto. And a mulatto, of course, you know, is a mix of a white man and a black woman, uh, and depending on the degree of blood in your body. In Louisiana, Louisiana still says if you got one drop of black blood, you black. On their books, it's still against the law for a black person to marry a white person. In the state of Louisiana, it's still against the law. But how did my grandmother come about? My great-grandfather was a sharecropper. And you know about sharecropping. And one year, he didn't meet his quota. So he had his way with my great-grandmother, and then my grandmother came about. 
My grandmother came to God. So born and raised in the state of Mississippi, the belly of the racistic beast, where Emmett Till was killed for assumingly, allegedly whistling at a white woman, where Shorna Goodman and Cheney uh, was killed, coming down from the North to help people vote as freedom riders. Come on, man. We got a lot of work to do. And the pain runs deep. So when a George Floyd situation come about, it opens those wounds up and pours salt in them. Mm. Thank you for sharing your experience. I know so many. Oh, by all means, yeah. <laughs> I know so many relate. You know, on a on another group this week, you know, a, a young man was sharing. He remembers, you know, his grandfather telling stories of the KKK coming to their house and burning crosses and. You know, the fact that he brought it up told me that that lives inside of him all the time. Yep. yep. I was I was the first, my, my, my class was the first graduating black class from Greenwood High School in Mississippi. I elected the first African-American senior class president. And there were white parents did not want me to be the senior class president. My wall locker got burned, not by the parents, but by the parents' children. So wow. parents have to begin now to teach their children the value of all people, regardless of their race and culture. So at graduation, I was to give a the senior class president back then gave the uh, commencement address. Life got threatened. State troopers had to come to my high school. My mom and them didn't want me to go. They told me to get my diploma in the mail, but I went anyway, you know, and thanks be to God, nothing kicked off, but just a mere fact that it was being talked about being kicked off. It's the mm -hmm. pressures you have to you have to deal with and live them. And my community to this day is still divided by railroads and rivers in my hometown. My graduating class still have two class reunion, a white class reunion and a black class reunion to this day. And I was a senior class president. Of course I only get invited to the black class reunion. <laughs> I know you're laughing, but it's just yeah. I think you have to laugh about it, otherwise you'd cry. It's just disgusting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oops. That was 41 years ago. Yep. Um, well, yep. Dr. Lewis, I want to thank you so much for being on this call. I know that you are incredibly busy. I know that I mentioned I'd keep you about 30 minutes and I know your time is so valuable. Uh, before we close down, is there anything else you'd like to say? And if not, that's okay. But would you pray for sure. us uh, as our local Call church me. as we go forward? So thank you so much for your time. Our ethos in biblical diversity, it comes from John M. Beatty, an African theologian. John M. Beatty said, I am because we are, and we are because I am. And we like to say in biblical diversity, if birds can flock together, if bees can hive together, if fish can school together, if ants can colony together, then black believers and white believers and brown believers and red believers and yellow believers can worship together, can walk together, can witness together, and can go to war together against a common enemy because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principality, wickedness, and high places. In Amen. high places. Amen. In high places. 
So, Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for Pastor. I thank you for this time we've shared together. And Lord God, I pray now that if anything I said that's not represented you, that you would erase it, delete it in the name of Jesus. But then, oh Lord God, if anything has been said that would carry forth to transform hearts and convert minds and move your kingdom beyond where it's been out into the world to affect change in the world, I ask, oh Lord, that you are anointed in Jesus' name. Bless the pastor and the ministry. Bless the lift church, oh Lord God. Endow them with the courage to do more, be more, and to become what you've called them to become. I lift this prayer up in the name of Jesus and by the power of his blood, I decree it. Amen. And amen. 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 Well, again, Dr. Lewis, thank you so much for your time today. We really, right, really appreciate it. Church family, thank you so much for listening to that conversation and being a part of the healing process. I've been so proud of our church and the way that we've chosen to respond and go forward. Be a part of the, a healing solution for so many people right now. And so I want to thank you as your pastor for that. We decided as a church we wanted to do some practical next steps. You can go to our website right now, citylift.church, to get involved. First of all, you can sign a petition and demand justice. Secondly, you can choose to support some local minority businesses and some local activist groups. The information is there on our website as well. And then finally, one that I'm very excited about, you can choose to give through our network to local churches there in Minneapolis and help them begin to rebuild and reconcile their communities. And I know Dr. Lewis is gonna be personally involved in that. And so I know the money's gonna to go to great use as we begin to help them rebuild. Church, again, thank you so much. I love you and appreciate every single one of you. Have an amazing week.